Thank you for joining in for this City Lights Church podcast. We're a new church in the north of Brisbane, and you can find out more about us at www.citylights.community. We hope that this podcast encourages you in your journey of following Jesus. So the series is make the difference, but be the difference. Uh, puts a bit of pressure on us, but what a great privilege to be invited into that. And I hope you're like I am, is that I don't want to live on planet Earth and come and go and nobody knows that I've been here. Uh, I don't want them to remember me, but I want them to remember Jesus who I serve. And I don't want to make a little bit of a scratch in life. I want to make a dent. I want to be the difference. I want to be the difference. And uh, I've got some scriptures for you this morning. I've got a story that you may never have heard. Uh, As Dave said, uh, having heard that I was preaching, he said, pull the tissues out because I want to touch your heart. Let's pray. Father God, none of us in this room are worthy for what you have called us into. You've called us to be sons and daughters of the Most High God. And you've called every single one of us to share the truth of your word. Help me this morning to deliver your word and help us to receive it fully and deeply in our hearts. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So we've been doing this series called One Anothering. One Anothering. It's not a real word, but it is now. One Anothering. Love one another. Encourage one another. This morning is, and you came for this. Forgive one another. So if you could reach over to the side of your seat, put your safety belt on and strap yourself in, we're going for a ride. Forgive one another. This is a scripture. Uh, It's a scripture that Pastor Andrew said last week, Colossians chapter 3, 12 to 14. Let me read it to you. So chosen by God for this new life of love, Dress in the wardrobe that God has picked out for you, and that wardrobe consists of compassion, kindness, humility, quiet strength, and discipline. Uh, By the way, it's not only a wardrobe, but it's a powerful weapon against the direction that the world is going. This is counterculture, countercultural revolutionaries, walking in kindness, compassion, tenderheartedness, discipline. Be even-tempered, content with second place, quick to forgive an offence. Forgive as quickly and as completely as the Master forgave you. Forgive as quickly and completely as the Master forgave you. And regardless of what else you put on, wear love. It's your basic all-purpose garment. Never be without it. Now, this uh, quote does not come from some glorified self-help manual. This comes from the Holy Bible. This comes from Scripture. This This is the Word of the Lord. We are not people who carry a book. We are people of the book. We are people, that's what believers were known as, people of the book which means that we take to heart what he says. This is, in one sense, it's like 
oh, that's nice. I love that translation, that's nice. It's more than nice. (laughs) For the believer, for the disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the house of God should contain nobody else but disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. There is not a first-tier and second-tier believer. There are disciples, those who are called, as Jesus said, come, follow me, and have become obedient to the word of the Lord. By the way, uh, there is some uh, pressure on you for that, but there's also a great privilege and huge benefits when we become disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, and uh, Steph, thank you for your testimony, but I remember as a young man caught on the line one day, I was, I was sort of um, a schizophrenic believer. I'm in the world and I'm, I'm in Christ. So I'm, I'm in the world, but I've got a conscience and I can't fully get in the world and fully sin, but I'm in Christ, but half in the world where I don't get any of the benefits or the blessings. So I'm nothing. And so I came to the stage where I had to step over. I was right on the edge. I was like this, sort of almost falling back into the world. Now I've learned to live up this end on the other line. I'm in Christ, but push me um, and I'm in glory. I'm living on the edge. <laughs> now, did, you, did you start here? Maybe you're still here this morning. Step over into Christ and say to yourself, this morning, 21st of February, 2021, I'm going to commit my life to Christ. 21, 2, 21, great, great date to, to memorize when you stepped over into the fullness of God. This is the word of the Lord. Now, the good thing about Jesus, he doesn't only teach it, but he lives it. Every word of the Lord is tested and true. You, well, you can trust God in the word of the Lord because it's tested, and it's tested by Jesus himself. He is the test pilot for the word of God. He comes out of heaven, straps on the word of the Lord, and walks in the ways of God on earth as a man for 33 years. And he hands that authority to us and says, it works, walk in it. So he teaches it, first of all, and then he lives it. This is the verse in Matthew chapter 6, 9a, 12 and 14. The disciples said, Jesus teaches how to pray. And he said, this is how to pray. Our Father in heaven, and by the way, he's the only one who knows who the Father is. No one knows the Father except the one who was with the Father in the beginning. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. By the way, this is not some nice little wrote memorized prayer this is a kingdom come prayer this is a revival prayer you pray this with all your heart you can have what you want if you want revival this is the prayer to pray and then it goes on and says and forgive us our debts or our sins as we also have forgiven our debtors or those who have sinned against us not just those who have lightly offended you but those who have sinned against you Or am I talking to the wrong people? Have you ever had someone sin against you? Offend you so badly that you could hardly breathe? And even now, days, 
weeks, months or years afterwards, it still takes your breath away. And forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. And then this part after the Lord's Prayer, which is not included in the little rote memorization. Can you remember that? Can you pray that? And we go through it at school and we go through it at church and we never listen to what it says. But afterwards, Jesus follows up by saying, and if you forgive others or other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Yes! And then to make sure that we understand what he meant, he says, but if you do not forgive others for their sins, your Father will not forgive you of your sins. As it drops into our heart. Now, I'm going to give you a story in a minute. And... Uh, you might be sitting there listening to me, but talking to yourself. And you're talking to yourself and you're saying this, but John, you don't understand what happened to me. I'll get to that in a minute. Because I don't understand what happened to you, but I know somebody who does understand what happened to you. So Jesus, when he comes to the end of his teaching ministry, and he comes to the end of his service of the Lord, and he comes to the day when he's handed over by wicked men to be crucified, we come to Luke 23, verse 33 and 34. And when they came to the place called the Skull, they crucified Jesus there along with the criminals, one on his right hand and the other on his left. You see, this crucifixion was reserved for the worst of the worst. A public humiliation, uh, normally naked. Uh, he'd been abused physically, spat on. They'd ripped his beard out and pulled the skin out of his face so that the scripture says that he was unrecognisable. And they mocked him, the Lord of glory. And they crushed a... a, a a crown of thorns into his head. And they said all wicked things about him and dragged him publicly and hung him up on a cross with other criminals, though he was without sin and the co-creator of everything that is made both visible and invisible. They mocked. And he said... He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Now, I, I get to that and I debate a bit and I go, of course they knew what they were doing. They conspired to do it, but in one sense they didn't know what they were doing, just as the one that sins against you or sinned against you may not know what they were doing. They knew what they were doing. They'd planned to do what they were doing, but in one sense they didn't know what they were doing. And in that moment, Jesus said, forgive them. Father, forgive them. And there's a, a number of reasons why he said that, because he had taught, he had taught, if you don't forgive, you won't be forgiven. And so how could he be our sinless sacrifice and the only source of real truth unless he had forgiven them? And he said, Father, forgive them, for they do not 
know what they do. And they said, thank you for that. No, they didn't. They just divided his clothes. And even in, as he was dying, they took what little he had and they said, you want this? You can have that. And they had no idea what they were doing. Totally innocent, totally set up, humiliated, tortured, abused. And he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what to do. Let me tell you a story uh, that happened in America. It happened in uh, Charleston, South Carolina, on the 17th of June in 2015. There was a Wednesday night prayer meeting at the oldest Afro-American church in America, Emmanuel African Methodist Episcopalian Church, Charleston, South Carolina. And there's a number of people there. There's about uh, 15 people there on the night. Not a bad turnout for a Wednesday night prayer meeting. Uh, the Reverend Clementa Pickney, a Clementa, that's, he, that's a guy. He was the senior pastor. He's 46, 41 years old. Um, and he was a state senator as well. Highly respected guy with a beautiful preaching voice. Uh, the Reverend Daniel Simmons, uh, he was 74. The reason why some of the pastors was there was one of these ladies was doing her final ministry preparation, her final sermon, presentation, so that she might be ordained into ministry. And on the Wednesday night, they said, why don't you come and you can do your final presentation and we're going to induct you into the ministry on that night. And I think it was actually uh, the Reverend Sharona Coleman Singleton, age 45. Myra Thompson was there, she's 59. Susie Jackson was 87. Uh, Tawaza Sanders, a guy... 26, Ethel Lance was there. This story's not about Ethel, but it's about her daughter, who wasn't there on the night. And the Reverend DePayne Middleton Doctor, 70, uh, 49, they were all there. And they were all Afro-American, except this young guy, whose name is Dylan Roof. He turned up and he said, can I join in to the meeting? Now, what they didn't know is that Dylan was a white supremacist who'd come with a backpack with a fully loaded automatic handgun. And after Sharona had done her message and they welcomed her into ministry and they said, let us bow our heads in prayer, he pulled out his gun and he shot them to death at point-blank range. And of the 15 people, there he killed eight on the spot and the ninth died in hospital the next day. And so two days later, and you can imagine the confusion where people had lost their parents and they'd lost their pastor in a church on a Wednesday night prayer meeting and they caught Dylan who had escaped. By the way, he left... One of them to live and a couple of them accidentally lived. And one of the grandmothers threw herself over the body of a little girl that was there and she lived through this as well. They finally caught up with Dylan. They captured him and they put him in jail. And two days later, the judge, a good old, good old boy, uh, old judge, white, privileged, arrogant, uh, did the arraignment as whether they would take him to trial and without preparation turned to some of the people in the 
room and they turned to Nadine and they said to Nadine, after they'd arranged this guy, has anybody got a victim impact statement to give? Would somebody like to say something? What about you? What would you like to say? And it was Ethel Lance's daughter, Nadine Collier. And she looked at the young man on the camera because he was being videoed in. And she looked at him and she said, you took something really precious from me. I will never talk to my mother again. But I forgive you and have mercy on your soul. You hurt me and you hurt a lot of people. But God forgives you and I forgive you. She said, my pastor, who is now dead, taught us to forgive and we will forgive. She wasn't prepared for that day. But in one sense, her pastor had prepared her. The same as the Lord is preparing us. Is to read, to take to heart, to believe, and to live the word of God. So that it becomes habitual in our thinking. Now, it won't become habitual if our eyes are on us, but if our eyes are on the Lord and our ears are open to his word, we will, in the time that we need to, remember what the word says. Now, Dylan Roof, 21, white supremacist, wanted to be the difference. He wanted to start a race war. He said to one of the ladies before he shot it, no, I'm not going to shoot you. I'm going to let you live so you can tell everybody what I did. I'm going to set this nation on fire, white against black. And the only thing that got between him and his intention was Nadine Collier. And she said, I'm going to forgive. Now, that became very, very controversial. So controversial that Time magazine in December of the same year gave the entire addition to the concept of forgiveness. The entire addition was given to the concept uh, with the heading of Time magazine, How Do You Forgive a Killer? And there was great debate because she said, Nadine said, I forgive you, but some of the other victims' family said, I might eventually forgive you. I know I must, and I might eventually do it. And others said, don't, don't say you forgive him on my behalf because I'm not going to forgive him. And there's this debate that happens in all of us. You know, it's like, what do you do to the perpetrator who's still alive, still perpetrating? How do you forgive that person who's still sinning against you? And I'm not going to answer that because I don't have that amount of time this morning. But let me say, let's start here. Let's, let's hammer this part of the tent peg in the ground to say that Jesus taught we must forgive and he demonstrated it on the cross as, as though there was something more important than this life. Hello? 
that there's something more important than this life because forgiveness is not just what's going to happen in this life. Forgiveness is preparing you for the next life. If it was only this life, well, don't forgive them. Have revenge. Go knock yourself out. If that's all it is, is this life, but there's more than this life, there's the life to come. And at 71, getting to the end of my life, I may have only 30 years left. Or more. At my age, I'm not going to waste my life in unforgiveness. And I encourage you not to do the same. And she said, Nadine Collier, she was the difference. Just as God's called you to be the difference. You're the difference. And she said, I'm going to forgive. And so what they did is Americans, white and black, joined together on the main bridge over Charleston and held hands together and said, we stand in unity. There will not be a race war in this town today. And she stopped it like that. She didn't plan to do it. She didn't practice to do it. She was the difference. And it came up naturally. If somebody pushes you on the way out, watch out because the grace and glory and forgiveness of God will just flow out of you because that's who you are. I know it. I know you. I know how easy it is you find how to forgive. You're so forgiving and loving. Well, sorry, that's what God's called us to do. The victim's impact statement. Where do you get this power to forgive? You see, we say, you don't understand what happened to me. We say, if you had parents like mine. (laughs) That's what Pastor Andrew says. (laughs) If you had a dad like mine. (laughs) By the way, that's what his kids say about him. That's what I say about my dad and my dad said about his dad and it's like, you know. Where do we get this power to forgive? Uh, I've got a friend called, she's passed on, but her name was Thelma Wilkinson and she wrote a book and the title of the book, and if you're going to get, going to write a book, write a really catchy title and the catchy title of her book was I Cannot Live This Christian Life because it is too hard for me. It's a catchy title for a book, isn't it? And what, she's, and what the book was about, the book was about this, is you are not called to live the Christian life in your own strength. For a couple of reasons, but one is it's impossible. When the Lord gives us a command, and by the way, love one another is a command, not just a good suggestion or an option, When the Lord commands us to love one another, he empowers us to do that by the power of his spirit. We are spirit-filled believers. Well, certainly if we're not, we are on the way to being spirit-filled. And if we are spirit-filled, we are continue to be, because the Bible says in the Greek, uh, continual present or present continual tense, be ye being filled with the spirit. We're being filled, empowered. To do the work of God. Let me read to you Romans chapter 8, verses 12 to 14. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh 
to live according to the flesh. Because the flesh says, I'll get them. Have you ever heard the flesh? It's very persuasive. Take them out when you get a chance. Uh, and that's not for lunch, by the way. Take them out. When the, when the flesh is talking, take them out. I take them out. They're not talking about take, take them out for lunch. It's take them out the back and knock the, the stuffing out of them. It's my interpreter here. Tongue's interpretation. The flesh says revenge. The, ref- the flesh says don't forgive them. The flesh says make them suffer. The flesh says when you get an opportunity, make it difficult for them. But we're not under obligation to the flesh. We're under obligation to the spirit because we're spiritual people. For if we live according to the flesh, we will die. We will shrivel up and die. But if, listen to this, listen to this. But if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, that unforgiveness, nasty little side of you, you know, the evil twin. I'm a twin, by the way. He is evil. No, he's not. (laughs) No, he's not. But compared to me, no, he's not. Um, But there's part of me. I've got, I'm a triplet. The evil part of me is I am really nasty. If left to my own wicked, fleshly devices, I'm not a nice person. Put that guy to death and let the spirit guy inside him live. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, unforgiveness, resentment, bitterness, nastiness, but if you put the misdeeds of the body to death, you will live. And then it goes on, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Ah, so that's where it ties in. So I want to be a child of God, and we sang about it. We sang about it. I'm a child of God. But only if you're led by the Spirit. And not if you're controlled by the flesh, because if you're controlled by the flesh, you're less likely to look like, to act like, behave like, and follow Jesus Christ. But if by the Spirit, we are disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to finish this morning by prophesying over you, every single one of you. And this is the prophecy, it's in... Hebrews 13, 20 to 21. And this is the outcome of a life of forgiveness. In the New Passion Translation, Now, may the God who brought us peace by raising from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ so that he would be the great shepherd of his flock, And by the power of the blood of the eternal covenant, may he work perfection in every part of you, giving you all that you need to fulfill your destiny. And may he express through you all that is excellent and pleasing to him, through your life union with Jesus, the Anointed One, who is to receive all the glory forever. Amen. You see, what unforgiveness does, it cripples your destiny. Cripples your destiny. God is at work among us as individuals, as families, and the church. Uh, This morning, David and Tala, David 
Uh, I'm not going to tell his story. You go and ask him his story. They went to the shopping centre this morning. A guy pulled them up and prophesied over David. Accurately prophesied over his life. Great things. And David said to me this morning um, that it was like he knew my life. Some really well. I said to Taylor, who was he? We, we thought perhaps he might have been an angel. So my friend, you've got destiny resting on your life. But if you become unforgiving, you'll cripple that destiny and you'll never see it. I'm not picking on you. I'm just picking on you because you're the big guy. And, uh, but that's the same with everyone. Every single one of us, it goes, destiny, destiny, nothing on you. Destiny, destiny. Uh, it's, don't say that. Don't say nothing on you. This guy here, this guy wants... He starts the Conservatorium of Music tomorrow. And he wants to get in the Australian Army Band. But he can't get in the Australian Army Band unless he does the medical. You remember how he did the backflip off, uh, off the swing and broke his, and smashed his elbow and how God healed that? Well, when he was nine, he was still doing it at nine, still doing backflips, broke his foot. He was in a moon boot for nine weeks. They didn't know how that would go. Went to the army medical center and they said you're not getting in the army band unless you get a full-blown medical then he had to go off to all the specialists probably cost a billion dollars or half a billion and uh and then they x-rayed the broken foot that he had at nine what did they find with the broken foot nothing they found no break in the foot the broken foot at nine years old that had missed the growth plate by about that much that if he'd hit the growth plate he would have a stunted foot missed the growth plate, went 10 years later to get the x-ray because he's got destiny on his life. And it's not just him, but every single one of us in the room. Every single one of us. Would you stand with me as I close and pray this morning? You see, you see, this is about a number of things. It's about the Lord, who we want to glorify, It's about the Lord Jesus Christ who calls us as sons and daughters of the Most High God to be His disciples. If you're here this morning and you've never committed your life to the Lord as a disciple, you've never heard His words, come follow me, or you heard them and you didn't respond, then can I encourage you to respond to that today like this 15-year-old did in her bedroom. When she heard his voice and she opened up and I think you said everything changed. Everything changed. If you've been living like I used to live, one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom, but really in no man's land, can I encourage you to step over into the kingdom to follow the true and living God? And if you're up this end, don't step into glory just yet. We need you. Stay on the edge. Live on the edge. Somebody said if you're not living on the edge, you're taking up too much room. What do you think, Julie? You like that, don't you? You can use that. Get a T-shirt printed. Take it to work. Father, here we are. Your people. Help us to bless them that curse us, to pray for them that despitefully use us, to return evil with good. Help us be the difference. 
and live for you and bring glory to your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. You can find out more about City Lights Church at www.citylights.community.